Okay. So what they call songs, when they're singing spiritual songs, they call them psalms, because in our Bible we have a book of psalms, and those were mainly songs. Almost all of them were songs. I'm going to start by reading a few verses from one of those from Psalm 145, which says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you. Let's stop right there. There was, there was one time a few years ago when I was reading this, and it just caught me, like, every day I will praise you. I thought, that's a good idea. It would be a good idea to praise him every day, to actually stop and give him praise every day. And so I've, I made that my goal to remember that every day, to just set a little time aside to praise him every day because he's worth it. Because if we're going to praise him forever, which sometimes we sing songs about, then we, would, we need to start at some point and actually do it every day. So, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So this psalm says, praise God, because he's worth it. He's the God of gods and the King of kings, so we praise him. And at the end, it says we sing joyfully because of who he is and what he's done. But sandwiched in there, it says we talk about what he's done. We talk about his works. We talk about his deeds. We actually say this is how God is real in our life. These are things that he's happened. So what I want to do today is a little bit of that. I want to talk about these last 10 or so weeks because we've done some things differently the last 10 or so weeks. So there's lots of guests and visitors here. And, and you may care less, and I apologize because we're going to talk a little bit about our church. But when I go to other churches, I kind of like hearing about some of the things that have happened. So I'm going to talk about that. Here's what we've done. Okay, in this summer, staff said to me, we are still doing church on Sunday mornings like we were doing it before 2020. Like we did it before COVID. When we were in the pandemic, we said this is an opportunity to think about do church differently about the way we do things differently. Look at the Bible. We're still going to go according to the Bible, but how we do it doesn't need to look the same. And so there were some ideas that emerged. Could we try for a little while longer services so that we could have more time for singing or more different ways that we could try to pray together? Could we try that for a while? Could we try having the kids in the service at the beginning so they can be part of the worship so it's just one family and we don't just push them off somewhere else? Could we try that? Could we try having multiple voices Multiple people. It's the body. So could there be ways that we see multiple people involved? And so for 10 weeks, the last 10 Sundays, we have tried all of those things. We were just going to try maybe one or two, and we tried all of those things. So for 10 Sundays, we had 17 different people teach or share a little bit or get interviewed. 17 different people in 10 weeks. We had 36 people pray from up front or on the video. Now, some of those were the same people. A lot of those were the same people. But 17 teached or shared, 36 prayed, not counting the 12 teenagers that prayed the one Sunday for like 20 minutes for anybody who would come and want to receive prayer. And the, the, all the adult prayer ministers, that's like 16 to 20 that did that as well. So we have had lots of people involved. Let me compare and contrast that to how I can kind of think and how sometimes uh, I've seen th people think, so in the, the denomination that I come from, that I grew up in, you are not allowed to speak from the front 
unless you are part of that denomination. And so, when my grandma died suddenly, my dad called, he asked my brother and I, hey, would you read scripture at your grandma's funeral? My, my grandma died suddenly, it was not expected. She was actually in Iowa four days before she passed away at, at Emmett's baptism. So I know we're really not supposed to do that, but I'm not going to tell my dad, like, hey, man, we'd be... so we get there and he says, hey, don't tell anybody you're a pastor. Don't tell anybody you're a pastor, because then they would know, where are you a pastor? You're not a pastor from, the, from this Lutheran church. So we get up there, and the pastor says to me, hey, you're going to read scripture. Great. I've marked where you can pause to breathe. That's how I have marked where you can pause to breathe. I am going to, that's how controlled I'm going to be about everything that happens. We had 17 different people share or speak up here. And I want to tell you, I spoke every week still. I just shortened my time of, of teaching. But I did that to try to bring some continuity since we were trying so many different things, some level of stability. But every single week, I'm down there, and I'm listening to the person teach and listening to the people share, and I'm thinking, I don't need to go up there. What they're saying is so good. They are leading us right to where, right to where we could respond every single week because God moves through his people, and we could hear from his people, and we could have, have people pray, all kinds of people. So I want to celebrate. I think that was a really good thing. Now, the other unique part of these last 10 or 11 weeks is that we did a prayer builders initiative. And in that prayer builders initiative, what we said is we invited people to commit to praying on site here for at least five hours, usually maybe a half hour at a time, for at least five hours over those 10 weeks. And we had 120 people say, we're going to do it. And so we had people, we opened up the building Monday through Thursday. You could sign up for a prayer room if you really wanted a designated spot. You could get access when we weren't open, like on a Friday or a Saturday, like on an early morning. And we just saw what happened. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be close, maybe 80, 90% in those 10 weeks to where we were for the entire year in 2021 on on-site prayer because we keep track of that thing. So we had all kinds of people praying. We had people that would sign up and get access so they could get into our building at 4 a.m. I said the first time here, I would love to be part of a church that says has at least somebody here praying every day on behalf of the rest of the community, at least one person. But for the initiative, we, we didn't put that out there. We only had five days that you signed up. We didn't try to say, hey, would we try to cover every single day? And yet... For the whole initiative, for 10 weeks, every single day was covered. There were only two or three days when only one person came to the building. So people were praying. It was happening here. Did it make a difference? Did anything happen? Well, we tried to get some feedback. We sent out a, a survey, 30-some um, people. How I get the survey is I see, like, if it says agree or strongly disagree, all the way to strongly agree, I see how many people picked each of each one's number one, two, three, or four, or five, or in the comments, I don't see who, but I see the comments. They're, I just see them. And what happened was many people reported very positive things, almost all, which doesn't surprise me if you're going to take the survey. If you take the time to take the survey, it's probably because it was pretty good. That doesn't mean that everybody had a great experience. That doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean everybody noticed. It doesn't mean that. But it's striking how many people who were participating said, there is something that happened. There was something different during this time that prayed. 
So then we also had last Wednesday night, we had a chance where prayer builders could come and they could, among the other things we do, share how it went for them. And, you know, someone shared about how, hey, nobody, it wasn't like the lame walked in my prayers, but I could name five, five things where I prayed specifically and it just, it was clear. God was part of the answer prayer. I heard all kinds of stories like that, by the way of people praying for people to get jobs, of people praying that someone would come, that there'd be a Christian that would enter their workplace. And then four days later, there was an interview that happened and a person got hired. And then not only till two weeks later, did they realize that that person was a devoted Christian. That people, there were people that praying where, where physical healing did happen in a way that was like, well, I pray and then the person gradually gets better and that could be the prayer or not. But it's like, no, the next day they're better or sooner. Now, these are just things like, RSV, colds, I mean, these, but they're, they're the real. What the people report is something happened when I was praying. So there is, that, there is a lot of reports of just, you know what? In that room, having this structure, that made a difference for me. It was just good for me to have a time where I went and prayed. It was good for me. That got reported. So one of the biggest things that, I encouraged us to pray for heading in was signs of God's presence. We wanted more to know more of God's presence. Now, some of you might think God's presence, isn't God like God? So isn't he present everywhere? Yes, the Bible says he's present everywhere, but he's not present everywhere the same way. In fact, the Bible talks way more about how he wants to be present somewhere in a specific way where we know his goodness, where we know his love, where we have, know it in a tangible way, where we have a relationship with him. He wants to be present somewhere, not just everywhere, somewhere. In relationship, personally, powerfully, he wants to be present. And so are there any signs of that? This past week, we had the fire inspectors come through. Three fire inspectors. Judd led them through the whole building. They, get, they, have been, they go look in every single closet. They look at everything in the whole building. The last place they went to was, was the prayer room. One of them had to leave. Two of them come in. And Judd says, this is our prayer room. And the one guy says, this is a pretty cool room. And the other guy, doing his thing, just stopped. This room feels different. And Judd's like, well, yeah. This room's different than any other room we've been in. Because God's presence is made known when we pray. It just is. I don't understand it. Why it's sticky. That's not really what we're going for. It's not like we're going for a force, but it's a sign of God's presence. There are three people I talked to who prayed at least three times a week. They were here at least three times a week to pray. And one of them said, every single area in my life I have seen God move in the 10 weeks. Another said, I, I have not experienced anything like I, this in the 10 weeks. Now let me talk a little bit about just personally. Personally, I said, going in, I don't know if I said this, but I, I know I've said things like this before, and I know I believed it going in. If a group of people commits to praying, if they do it, there will be signs that God is on the move. It will, it will be obvious that God is on the move. We will, we will see that there is a difference. And I believe that. It doesn't mean there won't be any problems. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So there will be problems. 
There'll still be problems. Life will still be hard. But there will be a sense of God is here. God is with us. God is doing things. We can tell. Ukrainians are coming that weren't here 10 weeks ago. Like, things will happen. So, I believed that heading in. But then when we did it, and I felt and saw what was happening, it's like, I can't believe it. It's like I wasn't ready for what actually happened, even though that's what I thought would happen. Let me give you an example. Halfway through, we did a prayer advance. Prayer advance. So up in the upper room, we have prayer and worship on Wednesday nights. One night, though, we did a prayer advance. So we had a few people who were available to pray, and I was one of the people that was available to pray for people. Somebody comes up to my line. They're praying. They've got, they're struggling with something. So as I'm praying, we just, I just pray over it, pray for a release. There's a release, and I say, hey, let's just, let's just listen now. God, would you say what you want to say to this person? After, you know, carrying something, and then they release, would you just say what you want to say to this person? And as soon as I stopped, say what you want to say to this person, Matt, way over on the stage, starts singing, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Now, can you imagine, you are carrying something. And I watched. He's like this. And then when we released, he was like this. And then I love you, I love you, I love you. You can't coordinate that. You can't make that up. For some reason, I was on the other side of the prayer room that same night, and I'm praying for someone. And when we get done, I'm praying for them, but I'm also praying this part like with them, like for both of us. And I just pray like there is no going back. There's no going back. I say amen. Matt, again, he can't hear what's going on. He's singing. He, he starts singing, I'm not going back. I'm all in. Everywhere I go, your presence fallen. I'm not going back. I'm all in. Everywhere you go, everywhere I go, your presence falling. Now, if you haven't heard that song before, it's because he made it up that night. Again, you can't, you can't make that up. And you can't coordinate it you, it is, takes more faith to think that God's not involved in all of that than to think that God really is involved. Now, I could tell you a story on a different night in the upper room where someone said they open up their Bible. They open up their Bible and they get led to a verse. And God is, they are reading this verse and God is speaking to them to, through this verse. And we have an open mic on those Wednesday nights. Sometimes, sometimes nobody goes to their open mic. Sometimes a few people do. Somebody goes to the open mic while he's reading that verse and reads that verse. You know how many verses are in here? He's reading that verse. He starts getting led to think something else. Somebody else goes up to the open mic and says exactly where he's at. Again, you can't make it up. Let me tell you, I got three more of those. From, I told one of them from another different night where those are happening. In 1 Corinthians 14, it's talking about prophecy, which is we're like, ooh, prophecy, this could get weird. Well, what I just told you is weird, right? When it says in prophecy, is if with prophecy happens, then an unbeliever comes, and they come into your room, and prophecy happens, they'll say, God's really among these people. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. God's really here. Yes, he's present and we know that because he's moving as we pray. And there's a lot of believers, they believe in God, but they don't really believe that he would be present that personally. 
that he would see them, that he would love them, that he would want to communicate with them in that specific of a way. But he does. And when more people are praying, all of a sudden more people get to experience that. Let me tell you, my, the, the most impacting thing of these 10 weeks for me did not happen here. It happened somewhere else, and, it, and I'm not ready to share about it. But if I'm going to give you three of my, like, wow, these are, this is, I'm not the same person anymore. I'm going to go back to when I'm 20. I'm going to go back to around when I'm 30. And I'm going to go to September of this year. And I went to this situation with low expectations, not expecting anything. The uh, elder board we met Tuesday night, if you had told me what was on the agenda was going to be on the agenda a month or two ago, I would have said, we are going to have a super long meeting, and it is not going to be very fun. But instead, we reported afterwards, we just made some significant things, some significant decisions, and it was easy. Maybe that's a coincidence with all the prayer the church has been doing for the 10 weeks. I'm telling you, some of the things on this agenda we've been talking about for five, six, seven, eight years, and it looks like it's happening now. That was Tuesday night. Thursday night, Camille and I got invited to another place, to another community, another town, people in a difficult situation, like 100 people there. We're just there to pray and support. We ended up getting called into leading for part of it. I got a text the next day, and the text the next day said, from somebody coordinating, said, we will never forget what happened last night for the rest of our lives. I don't think anybody that was there will ever forget what happened for the rest of our lives. Now, it's not my story to share what happened there. But I'm just thinking to myself, hmm, the day before we do the closing prayer time, there's an elder board meeting that is like one I, when I think about where we're at, I can't believe it. And the day after the Wednesday thing, we have this, this uh, I, can't, I, I just can't share. But like, wow, God, he's real. Whoa, hey. You know, I could talk about it from up front, but when I experience it here personally among people because we've given him more time, because we've focused on him, maybe we're on to something. But the question is, so what do we do next? And we intentionally did not decide. We did not decide. We didn't say, okay, hey, it's winding up. You know, it's going to, what should we do next? Because we wanted to see what do people think who actually went through it. That's why we're getting surveys and we'll keep getting surveys so we can share with leadership. That's why we're, we had the, we're trying to get feedback. What do you think should be next? Nothing? Keep going? Only do initiatives every once in a while? I don't know. So, one of the people that spoke on Wednesday night was Tony Roseboom. And he had a suggestion for what's next. And I said, Tony, I went up to him afterwards, Tony, will you share what you said on stage to everyone? And he said, yeah, absolutely, because I, I believe it. And he said, I even believe that it shouldn't come from like one, somebody like me that's up front. It should come from one of us out here. So I will. And I said, okay, this Sunday, it's perfect. It's the last Sunday. He said, oh, I'm not going to be there this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that guy, 
He's like, I've been there for, I don't know, three months in a row. I haven't missed a Sunday, but I'm, not, I'm out of state this Sunday. I said, okay. But we recorded it. So we're going to show it now. We're going to show what he, what he said on Wednesday night. Um, I actually have a lot of thoughts going through my head through this whole entire time. I've, I've led prayer here for years, and we've had where we'll do something, we'll do an initiative, and then it gets done, and we're just kind of done, and we move on to whatever the next thing is, and this feels different to me. This feels like, like it needs to be in our DNA of just how we do it. This is what we do now. Um, I don't, I can't imagine anyone here saying, I mean, you're here tonight, so obviously something clicked with you during these 10 weeks. We filled every single day. Um, I don't know why we would go back and stop doing this for any holiday, for any, my son just came back from, from Washington, D.C., and he was telling me about the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and how it was 365, 24-7, they're always, and it was symbolic for me, like we filled every single day, even if it was for a half an hour, and why would we stop that? There's this book called um, The Lord of the Ring, and it actually is the, the original story of that group of Moravians that prayed for 100 years, 100 years, and we've done it for 10 weeks, and it feels monumental. And that wasn't even all day, every day. That was just like someone filled a spot. And I already filled out this survey, and I just said, like, if I can just find five people, I'll take a day every week. And if they take a day, then we have, we have covered this place in prayer. And I feel like it does that we should not stop this. I just, I just feel passionate about this, that this should not be like an initiative. It should be like how we're going to start doing life here at Celebrate. We're going to cover this place in prayer. And and it's never, and I don't know about you guys, but he said, you know, if you're signing up for a time, does it feel like, it's like, well, I got to go do that. It's never felt that way. Like every time I've come in here or come in there, especially over these last 10 weeks, it's felt different than before even. Like there has felt power in the room when I walk in. We took a class and Pete Gregg talked about um, every time you pray, you're just stacking dominoes, stacking dominoes. And it may, it may not happen that time, but eventually something's going to break through. And I feel like that's what we've been doing for 10 weeks as a whole group is stacking dominoes. And things are moving. And why stop? I mean, I really think why stop? So that's my two cents. I question Tony's math a little bit because he said five other people, then we can cover a week. And I mean, he did teach my son sixth grade math too, but, um, but when I talked to him later, he brought it up again and he had said six people, so I knew what he meant. And then I thought, well, maybe he knew he only needed five because I'll be one of them. I will be one of them. And to be very clear, we aren't just staying here on this subject of prayer and that's all we do as a church or that's all we offer as a No. In the winter, we're going to talk about gathering. We are gathering to go with the presence of Jesus, so we're going to talk about and find ways how do we gather. Lord willing, that's, that's the plan right now. And in the spring, summer, we're going to talk about how do we go with the presence of Jesus. We want to be gathering to go with the presence of Jesus, but we want to do it with the presence of Jesus. So we don't want to say, now we've moved on to something else, we can check prayer off. And so there are some, I believe, and celebrate, who feel like Tony, who feel like, yes, I want to be part of a praying community. It's one thing to, to pray. It's another thing to be part of a community that agrees together. We are going to pray. We are going to pray together. That's something different. That's not necessarily everyone's assignment that's part of Celebrate Church. 
That's not necessarily how everyone connects. And some people may want to be like, yes, I want to pray, but I'm not going to be like that committed. Okay, that's all, all those are fine. But for those of you who say, I, when Tony was talking, I'm, I'm, I want to sign up for that. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I want to sign up for that. Then you let us know. You let Camille know she's the prayer ministry person. You let us know through the surveys. And, we, and so we'll just gather. We'll, I think, like I said, I don't know what we're doing. People were talking to me this week, emails. Does this mean it's done? Does this mean I can't schedule prayer anymore? Does this? So I think what we're going to do is just keep doing what we've been doing for now. And then we're going to see. Tony said, the one reason I didn't want to say much was because I'm not the one who's got to figure out, like, how do we open the building and how do we do all of that? And so well, we'll figure it out. You know, the Bible, in the temple, they had gatekeepers. They had gatekeepers. So they had people that ministered the Lord by singing. They had the priests. They would pray and do the prayer things and the worship and the sacrifices. But they also had gatekeepers. And I think symbolically, like, we could have gatekeepers. We could have people who just, they come in to turn off the lights at night. You know, they, so if you're willing to stay up late and you live close enough that you don't mind coming in, you know, once a week to do that and you're not afraid of the dark and you won't steal or break stuff at the church, you probably qualified to be a gatekeeper. So we'll have to figure it out. But when he said, why would we stop a room, not very, not full like this, but most people in the room went, Yeah. Why would we stop? We want to keep going. So in some way, we're going to keep going. I'll say one more thing, and then I just want to read three scriptures before we close. The, the one more thing I would say is that this building, this building is God's. Right? I, I can't figure out who else it would be. It's certainly not my building. It's not some board's building. It's not like, well, you give money so you can have part ownership in the building. It's you give money to help support and run the building for God's purposes, for what God wants. So if it's God's house, what does he want? And he says in Isaiah, my house, God's house, my house will be called a house of prayer. That's what I want my house to be. I want my house to be a house of prayer for all nations. For all nations, that's the important part, to welcome whoever, to welcome from Haiti, to welcome from Ukraine, to welcome, to welcome people who don't know God, aren't very comfortable with God, don't believe God yet, to welcome them all in. That's important. All nations will welcome people. We want to welcome people. But it, so it can be a place where people experience God's presence, where they meet with a real God, a living God, a God who loves them, a God who died for them, a God who rose for them, a God who is their only hope to make it through life, much less to make it after life is over on this earth. We have the opportunity to say, do you really know him? Like the real thing. Like the one that Jesus, the God-man, reveals. Do you know him? We are going to pray that you do. We're going to pray that whoever comes in this building would really know him. And that we ourselves would become more like him. I'm going to just read two passages, and then the last passage is going to be my closing thought. I'm reading these two passages. One is from the Old Testament, and one is from the New Testament. And what is so similar about them is that they're part of the story right before God, right as God is saying, here is my covenant with you, my people. 
This is happening right as he is establishing his covenant. You will be my people and I will be your God. And this is what's happening. Old Testament. And then this is what's happening after Jesus died and rose. So we're going to start with verse 12 from Exodus 33. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? If we don't have God's presence, we look like everyone else. People do not need Andrew Schmidt. People need Jesus. Man, do they need Jesus. Man, do I need Jesus. Okay, Acts. This is right after the Lord had risen from the dead. On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised you which you have heard me speak about. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, the personal, powerful presence of God, the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, Jesus says to them, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want the world to know what I'm like. I want the world to know who I am. I want the world to know what I've done for them. So I want you to go, but don't go yet. Wait until you have my presence, the Holy Spirit, the personal, powerful presence of, that I will give you. So what do they do while they're waiting? Verse 14, they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, they prayed. And then in the next chapter, we hear their presence comes. And you know what they do after that? They continue that rhythm where they pray to receive the Spirit and they go to talk about Jesus, to love the world, to bless the world, to serve the world in the name of Jesus. Last passage, worship team can come up. From Philippians. So all that's good. I'm really glad that there's a lot of things that have happened in these 10 weeks that when I start to keep track of one in isolation, I kind of notice. When I've stopped to reflect, like there is a lot that has happened in the last 10 weeks, and I'm glad for that, and I pray because I think it makes a difference. But here comes my biggest motivator. Philippians chapter 3, Verses 7 through 11, but whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith and confidence in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of confidence in God, in Jesus. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection 
from the dead. If you go back to verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything's garbage compared to knowing Jesus, my Lord. Knowing the one who loves me, the God-man. And it says, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were powerless in ourselves, he died for us. Why did he do that? We do not take the first step to him. He took the first step to us because he wants to know us. He wants to forgive us. He wants life with you. God wants life with you all the time. He wants life with you all the time. He wants to be with you all the time. He wants to know you. Do you want that from him? Do you want to be with him? Do you want to receive his love for you? Do you want to receive his forgiveness for you? Do you want him to go with you wherever you go? You know what? In the last 10 weeks, more than ever in my life, when I'm in a situation that is hard, when I'm in a situation that I feel overwhelmed or that I'm frustrated with a person, I just, I have my, it's like a habit is forming where I reflex here. I think by spending more time here, I reflex here. In, in just not like literally, I look, but like in my mind. Like, help! And the first thing that comes to my mind after that is I love you. I love you. Now, I've talked for 25 years about God's love. But it's not the first thing that comes to mind when things are hard. Until these 10 weeks. He's with me. It doesn't change the circumstances in the immediate, but it sure changes my perspective of him because the God of the universe says, I love you, I'm with you. And I say, yeah, I want to be with you. Now the question is, what about you? Do you want to know him? Do you want to receive him? He died to make a way so he could. His very spirit is a gift he wants to give you. Do you want it? Do you want him? Do you want him? All the time. He's willing all the time to be with you. Let's pray. God, I've just told stories true stories to the best of my ability about how you're real and you love us and you're for us. But they're just stories unless you come into each of our lives right now. So I pray as people give their attention to you over these next moments as we move towards the closing of a service. They sing to you or don't sing to you, listen to you, pray silently, whatever, whatever they do to try to give a little bit of attention to you, I pray that you would come meet each of us in this place now. Come, Holy Spirit.
for the sake of Jesus who loves us and gave himself for us. Be real in this place. Be real to us. It's your name we pray. Amen.